So today we are going to talk about <coughs> Lent. And you know some interesting things about that. I'm not a big follower of Lent. And so I uh, really don't have much to say about it. But, you know, I was getting gas Friday night and behind, I stopped at the counter and the guy in front of me was going on and on about how he had just been to a fish fry and it was really good. And the members of his church don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. And I thought to myself, uh-oh, because a member of his church was my guest for supper that night, and she ate pork. So, but I thought, you know, as we give up stuff for Lent, why not give up stuff that we need to get rid of anyway? You know, give up things that weigh us down and make our lives miserable. So today I want to look at giving up melancholia. And <clears throat> melancholia is the child of self-pity. It is what, <coughs> excuse me, it's what we reach when we are feeling sorry for ourselves and that poisons our moods and we get melancholy. You know, folks, I have a magic closet. I really do. Closet at home in my bedroom is magical. Because every time I open it up, there hangs a row of pressed, clean shirts. I never see them get there. They just magically appear. It's a wonderful thing. Don't know how it works, but it's there. Do you know what I get to do? I get to pick out a shirt every morning. And I spend hours agonizing over my wardrobe. No, I don't, but I do get to pick out a shirt. And the interesting thing is, it's always ready for me. Now, I'm telling you this story because it applies to our moods, too. Every day, we get to pick out our mood. We get to choose how we're going to approach the day, how we're going to approach our lives. You know, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a mood of melancholia? Or is it going to be a mood of gratitude? I think, well, you don't have to agree with me, but this is my definition of it. Melancholia is a state of unhappiness or despondency with life as God has given it. This is my definition. Like you say, you don't have to buy it, but this is how I define it. Melancholia is when we're not pleased with what God has given us. And gratitude is appreciating what God has given. Okay, now, I think that, well, we just get this choice. Melancholia or gratitude. And we have to ask ourselves, which is going to be? The two don't like each other very much. They won't exist in the same space in your head at all. Now, this guy's been in the news this week. Warren Buffett. And I've always kind of liked him because he has the same old house in Omaha that he's had his whole life. And he is currently the sixth wealthiest man in the world. Was the wealthiest, but he gave away billions of dollars. He is now 93 years old, and this week he talked about being married over 70 years. 
And he was. He is. His first wife died, and now he's in his second marriage. 70 years cumulative. And he gave some very sage advice on marriage. He said this. If you want a marriage that lasts, marry someone with low expectations. I thought that's very true. You know, the, the last seminar I went to on marriage counseling, and I've done one every two or three years, the leader of the seminar asked, what's the cause of divorce? You know, it's a room full of pastors, and they all raised their hand. Everybody had different, you know, it's adultery, it was uh, money, too many kids, whatever. He said, you're all wrong. The cause of marital breakdown is unmet expectations. It's like the mist, the fog disappeared. He's right, everything is based on that. And then you can expand that in other areas too. Anger, for instance. What causes anger? Unmet expectations. We road rage because we expect people to drive a certain way. What causes melancholia? Bad attitudes. What causes these things? Unmet expectations. We feel entitled to have things go a certain way in our lives, and when they don't, we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and then melancholia sets in, and our attitudes get much worse. Lots of examples of this. Things that we feel sorry for ourselves for. Our kids don't turn out the way we want. Our job doesn't go the way we want. Our health doesn't go the way we want. Your car breaks down. Your spouse gets mad and leaves. You have a pity party. And then melancholia sets in instead of gratitude. Now, there's several things you can do to get this melancholia out of your life. Several teachings in the Bible that show us how. There's a list in your bulletins, a list of verses I'm going to cover today. By no means is this all of them. It's not exhaustive at all. First one is one that we use to start the service off. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This implies that rejoicing is a choice. We choose to rejoice in what God has given us. We choose to be glad. We choose to be grateful. Melancholia just doesn't like gratitude. And when you're grateful, the melancholia goes away. Then from Proverbs chapter 4. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's an important verse has a lot to do with lots of life. Yeah, I, my son's girlfriend has a border collie, and that dog purrs when you scratch its back. It purrs and smiles, it shows you its teeth. It's kind of a strange dog. You all heard of border collies today. I'm going to introduce you to a new breed of dog called the melancholy. There we go. <laughs> all right. Yeah, 
these melancholies want to get into your life. The devil wants to discourage you. The devil wants to disable your faith. So don't let the melancholies into your heart. Self-pity gives birth to melancholia, but gratitude melts it. So don't let these pups into your heart. That's what this verse is all about. Guard your heart. Here's another one. The lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. That's my dad, one of my dad's verses. He would quote that in the wintertime when it was 20 below zero and he had to go out and feed cattle. He would quote this every time. I can't go out there. There's a lion out there. But, you know, it's, this verse actually speaks to procrastination, which is a symptom of melancholia. See, self-pity keeps you from doing what God's called you to do, and then not doing your duty increases melancholia. Procrastination is a gratitude killer. You feel sorry for yourself because you've got to do something you don't want to do. You've got to swallow some frogs as... One author says, you feel sorry for yourself, you, so you put it off, and then you feel worse. But if you work gratefully, the melancholies flee. Work is one of the best antidotes to melancholia. It's amazing how that works. Just do something, you'll feel better. And it always seems to go that way. Here's another one. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. See, angry people are not happy people. They have lots of melancholies. So avoid them. You can't reason with an angry person anyway. And anger is more contagious than COVID. It causes melancholy. So protect your heart from this. Now we're going to jump to the New Testament, the writings of Paul. He says this in Ephesians. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. See, your sinful nature, that part of you is selfish. It wants things for yourself. And being selfish leads to self-pity, and self-pity gives birth to melancholia. Look how this verse is worded. Throw it off, like you throw off a dirty shirt. Throw it off and replace it with gratitude. Paul goes on here. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So here's a twofold process to get rid of melancholy. First, you have to let the Spirit work on you. Let God's Holy Spirit work. Open yourself up to him. 
He wants to help you out of the melancholy. Part of it's passive. You have to let God do his work. Part of it's very active. Put on a new nature. Put it on and keep it on. You're created to be like God. Grateful instead of melancholic. So you can melt melancholia. Just like this pile of snow or snowplow people so thoughtfully put right where you have to look to see the oncoming traffic but it's melting all right melancholia can melt you i started teaching this stuff when i was in my 20s i was in a bad marriage i went to a marriage counselor found a book marriage counselor actually gave it to me and it was by a fellow named albert ellis who kind of pioneered this, this kind of thinking. And uh, but I found out that when I taught you could choose your own moods, and I was in my 20s, nobody took me seriously. It's a crazy thing. But I look at it now, I say, you can't take life advice from somebody in their 20s. They haven't lived long enough. They haven't suffered enough yet. You know, it's almost like they've got a ways to go. But I started teaching this, that you can make yourself miserable or grateful. And I saw it as sound biblical teaching, but most people wouldn't buy it from me because of my lack of experience. Since then, I've been through divorce, rejection by the church, I raised five kids, I've earned a doctorate, I've read the New Testament almost 70 times. I've been rejected by family members. I've taken a church through the Great Recession. We've gone through cancer together, and we're currently working on how do you, res- how do you salvage a church after the COVID crisis. And there have been many times I've lost my marbles. One guy came up to me after the first service and says, I hope you find them. But the point is that I have a ton of life experience now. And I know this to be true. Today I know that melancholy is a choice that I make and that you make. And gratitude is another choice. I can be miserable and let my sinful nature rule. I can soak my life in self-pity if I want or I can report for duty and do what God is calling me to do and be thankful for what he has done. I can replace melancholy with gratitude and if I can do it, so can you. Remember some simple steps, you know. Keep saying, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Thank God for your blessings. Thank him for your opportunities. And then your heart will sing. And the melancholies will run away with their tails between their legs. I have to conclude with a story. We had lots of dogs when I was a kid. We had a big old German Shepherd female named Queenie. She thought she was pretty tough. But she was my friend, and every time I'd come home in my 69 Chevelle, yeah, I know, pure stud car. I come home in that 69 Chevelle. 
Queenie would come and greet me. Okay? Well, graduation from high school came along. I didn't want to participate. I hate to say that to school teachers, but I didn't want to participate because I didn't want to give the school the satisfaction of making me march across the states. I was, you know, one of those kind of kids. And so I, I'm fighting with my dad, and my dad won. He tried by yelling at me, that didn't work, so that he tried bribing me, that worked. I am a Hollander after all. So I did it. I graduated for money. But we had to have a practice, a practice session, where we all put on our little robes and our hats and, you know, went through the, the motions of the ceremony. And I thought, well, I paid a lot of money for this robe. I'm going to keep it on. So I drove home and got out of my car to Queenie's greeting. And all I did was this. What kind of a dog are you? And she took off out of there with that tail between her legs. We didn't see her for three days. She was scared to death. And you can chase away the melancholies in your life with gratitude. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, you have shown us a way. We can get rid of these melancholies, this melancholia, this cloud of darkness by following just some simple teachings from your word. It's my desire that nobody experiences melancholy. <coughs> so give us the wisdom and the courage to not just give it up for Lent, but to give it up permanently. Amen.